Right, what is going on, everyone? Welcome back to the show. Andrea, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me back on. Oh, I'm excited well, to get into these questions. Me too. So um, tell me what has, because it's been exactly a month since you were on last time. Last time you were on, we were talking about kind of everything you've done to push like personal growth, um, getting out there more with public speaking, things of that nature. What have you been up to the last month? Putting you on the spot here. Uh, yeah, in that regard, so I'm doing Toastmasters, um, which is, I think we might have talked on, about that last time a little bit, which is just like a weekly meeting where you basically work on your public speaking. You either give a longer speech, like five to seven minutes, or there's a thing called table topics and they just throw something random at you and you talk about it for a couple minutes, which has been pretty helpful because... I, I don't enjoy that. <laughs> and so it just gets me out of my comfort zone every week. And then um, I'm doing a weekly live on Instagram where I'll just take, I'll ask for questions on Instagram or take questions from clients that week and go through that. And I'll either do like a couple shorter answers on questions or like go as in depth as possible into one thing. And so that's been that's been fun. That's been helpful. And I like that because it's like talking about what I want to talk about instead of like, what's your favorite cookie, <laughs> which is more like the Toastmasters thing. Uh, and then just talk. I, I try and talk a little bit more on my stories lately just to get a little more comfortable talking in front of the camera. And then I'm always doing a video every week on the, on the Facebook page for the Barefoot group. So okay yeah that's what i've been doing the videos have been the videos in our group especially well all the videos have been great but the videos in our group have improved so much that that's super cool to see because again that you feel so i can tell you feel so much more comfortable than you did like just a couple of months ago yeah i was thinking about this a little bit this morning uh, on i listened to mindset by carol dweck recently and the the reader of that audiobook I just couldn't finish it <laughs> but I've I've gone through like that subject several times so it wasn't anything like brand new that I was missing out on but uh she talks about like you can have fixed mindset or um growth mindset in different areas like some places you can be fixed and some places you can be growth minded mm -hmm. and I in in speaking I knew that I could improve on that but I never really like pursued it that much. Um, and I, I knew like, I, I have a growth mindset in that, but I also think that I was a little bit limited in my mindset about it. Like I knew that I can, could improve, but I thought that I would still feel like nervous every single time. And like whenever they throw a Toastmaster question at me where I don't know what it is, I still get nervous, but talking about training, I'm not nervous talking about that. And then on the, the random questions like that, I've had a completely fixed mindset with that. So improving on that a little bit has been really helpful for confidence and just improving my mindset in general. Okay. Okay. I, I love the conversation around like growth and fixed mindsets as well, because I feel like it's such an important thing for people to understand and that's i know like a couple calls that i've been on lately with new clients hopping on board there have been multiple times where people have said like 
I would love to be like, I would love to have this physique, but I know I can never do that. And it's, I think that's the cool thing about coaching is like seeing people go from very fixed to like, again, like I know one that stands out is like, this dude was describing something that was very, very achievable for him. And it was like, but I could, I know I could never really be like that. So like, I just want like, and I think that so many people allow themselves to just like, okay, this could be pretty mediocre. And like, yeah, it's good enough. When mm-hmm. like you could do so much more, you could have so much better. If I don't want to say if you just believe because, <laughs> but <laughs> like, of course you have to work for it too. And that's more than like speaking into the universe or whatever, but there is like such a power to like, I think that again, just like looking at, am I telling my, like, okay, this is that I'm telling myself, like, because too, I think there's such a gap between for so many people between like where they're at and where they want to be. And I, something that you and I relate on a lot is what you're talking about here. Like that was the same thing for me for so long. Like I want to be a more confident person. I want to be a more confident speaker. I want to feel like I can put together a sentence when I'm talking to someone else. I would like my girlfriend, but I'm not close to that. And same thing for so long was like, I had such a fixed mindset around it. And it's not like, the mindset, I think recognizing that first is so helpful, but then to doing like what you were doing and push yourself, putting yourself in situations to actually force yourself to grow was such a helpful thing too. Yeah. And the, like you and I have played sports growing up. And so I think that kind of instills, like you get shown from a young age that you can improve in those things, but people who haven't or have never really worked out in their adult life, they get that same sort of a confidence boost as I have from just like doing some public speaking because it's something that they most likely have a pretty fixed mindset in like you were saying and then seeing themselves do the things that they're saying that they're going to do and then seeing the improvements in their strength or whatever um, it's just a huge confidence boost it's really cool to see as a coach absolutely and that's like i was so, that again that same call i'm referencing i was so fired up on that one because it reminded me so much of like when i first before i started building the business like just years like i was scared to put myself out there on social media I, like i was talking about like hey in the future like these are things that we're going to do but i was never actually taking steps towards it because i was so i was just insecure about like putting my voice out there and like interestingly i think for most people this is true as well like when you start to transform physically you the confidence that you gain from that like seeing oh shit like i can do this i can live my life as this person that i've always wanted to but like have never been able to actually do the confidence that you earn from that which again is basically just like keeping your promises to yourself carries over so much to everything else mm-hmm. yeah it's really cool to see i love it you get to um, see that on a regular basis so and that's, <laughs> that's the biggest thing about that's like what I love about coaching too uh and again like on that call we were talking about like yeah like it's not about you getting ripped and that's like the, it was cool because this guy had very clearly identified too like I'm just sick of being this like he said I'm just sick of being disappointed in myself I want to commit to something and I want to follow through and again it's like I think that more than most areas like your physical body is one area where we can very clearly see tangible. Now it's never like a quick fix, but you can see tangible progress pretty quickly. And then like, I, there's the saying like the body is the quickest power. And that's why, because again, it's like, I think it's the easiest measurable way to, again, like I committed something and I'm filing something hard and I'm finally falling through. 
Yeah. So how long ago was that that he was on the call? Mm. Let's see. I just got him this program on Tuesday. So oh, okay. okay. Like Thursday, I think. I was going to ask an update on him, like how he was doing oh, since no. that. He's doing great so far. It's like three days in. Yeah. been great. I have, I have no dial across it. Um, cool. Let's hop into some questions. Ready? Yep. Perfect. All right. First one we have is, can you program full body workouts back to back without rest day? Take it away. <laughs> you can. Um, it's not ideal if you, well, is this like a situation where they're wanting to do like four or five days a week or is it still a three day week program? I'd say probably a three day a week. She didn't clarify, but I'd say probably three. Yeah, with three days a week, it's it's less ideal um, than if you were going to do it more frequently because more frequently, if you're working out more frequently during the week, you have the flexibility to include some lower volume days. So you could go on like the back-to-back -back days, day one, lower intensity, day two, higher, or vice versa, and then have some space after that where you're programming in. The, the days later on in the week, but with only three days per week, unless you're very, very beginner, you'd have to be uh, pushing it a little bit harder in each session just because you're so limited by just those three days. But um, if you were, if you were going to do three days a week, full body, I would, I know that this is not technically like the full full body program that you would normally do in three days per week, but you might want to split it up into like heavy chest, heavy quads, light back, light uh, hamstrings, and then the next day flip it and go light chest, light quads, heavy back, heavy hamstrings. And then if your third day a week has some rest between there, then you can push it a little bit more on all muscle groups. How would you, what do you think about that? No, I, I agree. I think like no matter what, when we're programming full body, like the meat and potatoes we're building every training day around is knee dominant, hip dominant, push, pull, right? Mm -hmm. push up, pull. But then within that, like, I think how, so what I would say is like, typically I'll tell clients two days, if you, clients that are training three days per week full body, if you need to do two days back to back, that's fine. Not the most ideal. Because the thing is to like, Volume, intensity, frequency are all kind of on a sliding scale. When some are low, other factors have to be high. So, like, we know, okay, volume is going to be, I just have to be relatively low because we're only training three days per week. We just don't have that much room for that much volume. So, typically, intensity is going to be a little bit higher. And if we're training, like, back-to-back-to-back -to -back -to -back with more intense days, it's going to be a little bit harder. Um, but, again, like, knee dominant, hip dominant, push, pull is the meat and potatoes that we're building that around. So typically, like when I'm programming full body, I'll start, we're going to be rotating like our number one metric based movement of the day. Basically, the heaviest movement of the day um, is going to be, it's going to rotate. So probably maybe it's like day one, maybe it's a deadlift pattern. Day two, maybe it's a bench press. Day three, maybe it's like a squat pattern or a Bulgarian split squat, basically a knee dominant pattern, right? Now, like within the, typically, like we're going to start we're going to start movements with the lowest rep ranges and the heaviest work when we're the freshest, right? So maybe those are like in the seven to 10 rep range. Now, very basically I'm saying like what you're saying, but 
um, from there, like we're still training that those patterns, but like, okay, day one, we hit a, day one, we hit like a heavy trap bar deadlift. Day two, like you said, like, and we could consider that like heavy glutes and hamstrings. Day two, we're probably going to hit like a hip thrust or a 45 degree back extension. So we're still, it's not like, Hey, we're just like putting on baby weights here or anything like that. But by nature of like, it's further, whereas before it'd probably be the first movement here is like the third movement. So a, we're choosing movements that are going to put less stress on the spine and like less fatiguing as a whole, like a hip thrust or a 45 degree back extension is much less fatiguing than like a deadlift from the floor. Um, and then because just by nature of it being a little bit further along in the training program, it's probably going to also be in a higher rep range as well. So it'll just be less taxing for your body as a whole. So basically like, okay, day one, like we hit a, uh, day one, we hit a deadlift, a trap bar deadlift in the seven to 10 rep range. Maybe day two, we hit a hip thrust in the 15 to 20 rep range. And day three, like our hinge pattern is again, maybe that like 45 degree back extension. And that's in the eight to 12 or 10 to 15 rep range. Right. Mm -hmm. Kind of got distracted from the initial question here, but <laughs> did that make sense? Yeah. Cool. Cool. Yeah, that makes sense. So um, you're using you're using like the main compound movements the first day, then you choosing exercises that um, just by default kind of require like get the, get a good stimulus with a lower weight the second day. Exactly. Exactly. And then like with upper body too, you want to vary like vertical push pull, horizontal push pull. So typically like people need more work in the horizontal like pushing and pulling so like a row versus an overhead pull down typically people will benefit more from doing like more rowing same thing like people can typically tolerate more horizontal pressing volume whereas like pressing overhead is a lot more fatiguing for the amount of stimulus we get and it's typically like people's shoulder joints just typically start to egg people's shoulders start to get beat up with too much overhead pressing it's typically like day one and day three we'll be focusing more on horizontal work there the second day is typically when I would like program more like vertical pulling. So like day, day one of that program might be like, okay, maybe we're going to do a dumbbell row or like, I probably wouldn't do a barbell row if we had just done a trap bar deadlift, but let's say like our heavy, like our first movement of the day was like a barbell row. Then day two, we might do like a weighted pull up as like our heavy vertical pulling movement of the day. And then day three, again, maybe it's like a chest supported row or a cable row or something of that nature. Yeah. Cool. Do you have any other thoughts on that? No, I don't think so. That was a good uh, breakdown. Cool. Next question I have is, have your calves gotten bigger in your bulk? Oh, no. <laughs> um, this is one from, from one of our former clients, too, that cracks me up. Um, lots of shots at my calves lately. <laughs> Even from my own coach, Andrea. Uh, <laughs> I think so. I don't know. A little bit. Uh, let's see. I actually have hold on. I'm measuring this. My calves have actually grown four centimeters from May 3rd until now. Let's go. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Not, hey, that's really good for calf muscle. I mean, that's like that's like putting that on your forearms. I will put muscle on your calves. I will say that. <laughs> I genuinely don't think I like look at I don't very much but what I would say is every other year when it's gone from like that point of time where it's like okay you go from wearing joggers all the time to wearing shorts I'm almost like damn I forgot how little my calves look and I haven't that time has come and I haven't had that moment yet this year so in my eyes I think that's 
yes. Jody, thank you for asking this question. I do think my calves have gotten bigger. Um, I think that's all I have to say on that one. <laughs> I, I don't know if you have any input on that. I don't know if I want to hear it if you do, but <laughs> no, no. Let's move on. Next question I had was um, Is there any evidence or science to back up the idea of doing a low volume strength block at maintenance after an extended meso building? in a surplus to somehow solidify gains before beginning a cut. Do you catch all that? A low volume strength block when you transition from maintenance. Say that again. So basically what he's asking is, is there evidence to support the idea that after going through an extended building phase and you build a lot of muscle, it's a good idea, or is there evidence that after that, taking time to train at basically lower volume and just eat at maintenance is needed to like cement the gains that you've made in the building phase before going into a cut. Needed, no. But that's kind of like the same thought as a resensitization phase. Um, but you're going from bulk to maintenance. I wouldn't say needed. I don't think that there's anything really <clears throat> uh, that you need to do to cement your gains that you've made, but it probably wouldn't be a terrible idea just to have a lower volume block to let fatigue come down. And if you're moving your calories down, you're not necessarily as worried about gaining fat because you're going from bulking calories down to maintenance. So it probably wouldn't be a bad idea just to take like a, an extended, um, like resensitization or like basically like an extended uh semi deload right yeah I, yeah i wouldn't say go yeah go ahead and that's like a so basically like the idea that you need to do is solidify gains it's a very like niche i think i've heard don't quote me on this because i'm not i'm not for sure he's the one that i've heard say this but i know i believe it's steve hall that i've heard like and it's all kind of speculation by this point like kind of spending time at just like establishing this as your body's new homeostasis makes it harder to like lose that right so it's almost like we have this idea of like your body fat settling point yeah almost that's what i was thinking muscularity of. set point to like you've built enough muscle you've built all those muscles over the building phase now rather than just going directly into a cut if we like take some time in a maintenance phase to like solidify this as your body's new normal then your body is more likely to hold on to that. And that's like, a, this is someone DMing me this question. I said like, is there science or any evidence behind that? Not that I'm aware of. I, it, like to your point, and that's the exact example I used. Uh, like it's very similar to a resensitization phase. Like <laughs> that makes sense in theory, but is there any evidence to back it up? Again, not that I'm aware of. I don't think it's mostly speculation. And that's like, I personally, isn't, this isn't something like specifically to, hey, we need to like cement your gains before we take you in a cut. It's, I do think like sometimes this is a good idea to take people through a couple of weeks at means before going into a cut, but it's not for this, the direct reason that we want this to like cement your gains so you don't lose it or because I think it'll make you less likely to lose them. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, I think it's a smart idea. It's just throwing me threw me off a little bit for like saying that it's to make sure that you keep that muscle 
because that's not necessary but it's sort of the same like you said the body fat settling point like as you're dieting down every once in a while it's a good idea to take some breaks at maintenance for a while or like with training as you have been in a hypertrophy phase for a while it's a good idea to take a strength block occasionally right um but but yeah not needed for cementing your muscle gain it's an interesting concept and honestly i don't think it's something that unless there's like more compelling evidence behind it i think it's just like theory and not theory that i've heard a lot of people talk about and again i'm not for sure that steve is the one that like came up with that or not so listeners don't necessarily quote me on that that's just like i yeah. think that's who i heard say it and that's what, like i got where he was coming from because i've heard the idea somewhere before yeah uh, if it's somebody that's like a really hard gainer and like they have no appetite anyway and they've been trying to push and push calories up for a while and then they're going immediately to a diet they may just like drop them too much because of that um hunger or uh, like hunger suppression effect of being in a calorie surplus for so long but that's the that's the only uh scenario i can think of where it'd be like yeah, you really need to have a time just to maintain for a bit or else you're going to lose that muscle. Yeah, I would think really more than anything is probably like from the psychological standpoint is really where I think people see the most benefits of time at maintenance. Just like time where you're not pushing so hard in any one direction is, and I think that really for most of the clients that we attract, they're pretty similar to us where like time at maintenance is hard to like not mm -hmm. be pushing in any one direction. Um, but I know that like a lot of times it's just like mentally it's, you reduce a lot of fatigue within your training. Like you said, you reduce a lot of fatigue as well. And then we also have like a very clear, you would have a clear picture of that after like, okay, where exactly is your maintenance? Where exactly do we need to start shooting with the cut to like achieve the target rate of loss? But yeah, I don't think I really have any other thoughts on that. Do you? No, no, I don't think so. Cool. So that is all the questions that we have for today. Um, as always, we appreciate you guys tuning in. Andrea, thank you for being here and we'll talk to you guys next time.